Alrighty, good morning to everybody, and welcome to the third message in the blessed series where we are answering the question of how is it that we can live a blessed life? Because every single person on the face of this planet, even those who don't know how to pray, all say the same thing at some point in time in their lives, which is, Lord, bless my life. And we oftentimes ask for blessing even though we don't really know what it means. And we don't know what it looks like, and we can't put a formula, put into a formula, but we certainly know when we got the blessing, and we certainly know when we don't have the blessing. So what we're trying to figure out here in this series is how to live a life that is blessed by God. The theme verse that we've been talking about is from Acts chapter 20, verse 35, which when Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we've been talking about how a life of true blessing is not when we get more and that more people give to us, but a life of true blessing is when we learn to give. And the more we give, the more God will bless. All right, and it becomes like a cycle. Last week we talked about, we've been talking about the two most important commodities in life that we need to be giving in. We said our time and money. Those are the two things that are the most valuable. Last week, we kind of looked at the money aspect of it, and we agreed that all of us have been blessed beyond belief, and that if we had to come up with a word to describe how God has blessed us financially, we would say that we are rich. And we agreed last week that even though we may not feel rich, the reason that we don't feel rich is because we're spending everything that we have, but it's not because we aren't rich. God has made us rich, and it's up to us to honor him with our riches because what we saw last week is that God gives us riches as a test, all right? And God is using the riches that he's given to us to test our faithfulness and to test our hearts. Well, today we're going to look at another gift that we've received, and we're going to see that we are not only rich in a material way, but we're also very rich in a spiritual way as well. We're talking about the greatest gift ever given to any single person on any occasion, anytime, anywhere. It's the gift that God gave us that he speaks about in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Actually, I read that wrong. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him! Exclamation mark. Jesus is saying in this verse right here, he's saying, you guys, y'all aren't even on my level, but y'all know how to give good things to your children. Well, I, as your father... Love to give good things to my children too. And the best gift that the Father gives to his children is when he gives us the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. Because it's a gift within a gift within a gift within a gift within a gift. You know when, like those who, like you know those, those, um, those Egyptian souvenir mummy things. You know those things? Okay, so it's like a mummy, a King Tut guy. And it's like this, and then you open it, what's inside? Like another one, okay? Then you open that, and there's another one a little bit small, another one a little bit small. That's like the Holy Spirit. Because what God does is he plants the Holy Spirit inside of us. You say, wow, I have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, oh, that's great. He says, no, 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 open it up and see what comes inside. And you open it up, and you're like, wow. No, 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 open it up. And the more you open up the Holy Spirit, the more you realize that it never, ever, ever ends with the Holy Spirit. He keeps on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. He is the gift that keeps on giving. No expiration date. No limit to the amount of giving that the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit gives in a couple of different ways. Okay, so you, oftentimes you hear about like the fruit of the Spirit. All right, and the fruit of the Spirit, that's one thing. Okay, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about today. The fruit of the Spirit means that when the Spirit is inside, the Spirit is like a tree that always bears fruit. And the Spirit inside of us, okay, if we do not hinder the Spirit of God, 
if we do not quench the Spirit of God, if we can stay out of the Spirit of God's way, then the Holy Spirit will yield fruit inside of us. Fruit of love, fruit of joy, peace, kindness, etc., etc., etc. All right? That's not what I'm talking about today. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Today I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit. What are the gifts of the Spirit? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. The first thing we see about the gifts of the Spirit versus the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is the same for everybody. Okay? Everybody should be living with love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, etc., etc., etc. The gift of the Spirit is not the same for everybody. Everyone is given unique gifts. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy is the gift, let us use prophecy in proportion to our faith. If ministry is the gift, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches, if that's his gift, let him teach. He exhorts, exhortation, gives, liberality, leads, diligence, mercy, cheerfulness. When the Spirit of God comes inside and lives inside of us, okay, when we are baptized and we receive the Holy Spirit during the sacrament of chrismation, we believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Holy Spirit never comes empty-handed. You know those people that you invite them to your house, you know they're bringing a gift? You know those people, okay? And you know those other people you invite, they're not bringing anything, right? Holy Spirit's one of those guys, you rest assured, you invite him, he's coming in, he's coming in with gifts. He's coming in with plenty of them. And don't tell me that this person doesn't have gifts or this person doesn't have gifts. Tell me, do they have the Holy Spirit? And if they have the Holy Spirit, they have gifts. And just because they haven't found the gifts, just because you can't see the gifts, just because you don't appreciate the gifts, doesn't mean there's no gifts. There's no such thing as a believer who has the Spirit of God who doesn't have a spiritual gift. You know what it says if you say, I don't have any spiritual gift? You know what that says? You know who you're insulting? You're not insulting yourself. You think you're being humble. No, 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 no. I don't have this gift. I don't have any of that gift. You know, you're not insulting yourself. You know who you're insulting? You're insulting God. Because if I look at my car and say, that car's a piece of junk, I'm not insulting the driver. I'm insulting the maker. If I look at the meal in front of me and I say, Tuh, this meal stinks. I'm not insulting the eater of the meal. I'm insulting the cooker of the meal. And if you look at yourself and you say, I got nothing, you're not insulting the user. You're insulting the designer. There's no such thing as a child of God who doesn't have gifts. And as we see right here in this verse, this is not an all-inclusive list by any means, but it lists many different diversity of verses of, of gifts. Some people have the gift of prophecy. Some people have the gift of ministry. Some people have the gift of teaching, exhortation, giving, um, mercy, leadership. There's all kinds of different gifts. And there's not, if you look in the Bible, like the, the gifts that are listed in the Bible, you'll find over 20 different gifts that are listed. And again, that isn't a comprehensive list because we can't say that the Holy Spirit is limited to these 20 gifts. The goal of today is for each one of us to realize that we are an essential member of the body of Christ and as a member of the body of Christ, we have been given gifts. And we have been given those gifts to use in the context of the body of Christ. Because God has a mission for all of us. And if God has a mission for us, then God would never give us a mission without giving us the tools to accomplish that mission. That's our goal here today, is to figure out how to discover those gifts. Because once we see those gifts, we'll realize that we are not just rich financially. We are not just rich materially. But we are very rich, especially as a body. We are very rich when it comes to the spiritual gifts. And it is our duty to use them in a way in accordance to God, with God's purpose.
Let's talk about three reasons why we need to discover our spiritual gifts. Number one, why you should care about discovering your spiritual gift. Number one is my gifts show God's plan for my life. My gifts show God's plan for my life. What is the number one question that people want to ask me? That people want to talk to me? Say, hey, Father Anthony, I need to talk to you just for a few minutes. Very important. What's the number one question? What's God's will for my life? What does God want from me? What am I supposed to do? Do I do this or do I do that? What's God's plan for my life? This is the number one question that we struggle with. You know the reason why we struggle with this so much? Because we always think, again, back to the blessing verse. We always think of God's will in terms of receiving, not in terms of giving. We think of what's God's will to give me? What's God's will that I have? And we don't think enough in terms of what's God's will that I give. And the one who asks what's God's will that I have is always going to struggle to find the will of God. The one who will find the will of God with confidence is the one who says, what's God's will for me to give? What does God want me to do, not to receive, but to do? And how do you know what God wants you to do? You look at the tools and the gifts that God gave you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The two, by the way, the two passages in Scripture that speak about spiritual gifts is easy to remember. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, chapter 12 of both those, the two first epistles of St. Paul. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. So we'll kind of go interchangeably between the two. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation, the gift of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. These are all gifts of the Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. What's the will of God? What's the will of God? What's the will of God? Well, the will of God is if he gives you the gift of prophecy, prophecy. If he gives you the gift of teaching, teach. If he gives you the gift of giving, give with liberality. That's the will of God. And if we would learn to focus not so much on what does God want to give me, but what has God already given me that he wants me to give back to him, I promise you, you will not be as confused about discovering what the will of God is in your life. Said another way. I have given this analogy many times, that when I give my kids, and I say, okay, kids, kids want to know my will for their life. Okay, and I say, today is chore day, and I'm not going to tell you what my will is for you. But one, I hand a broom, and the other one, I give them a lawnmower. Can they figure out the will of their father this day? How can they possibly discern what the will of me is for them? Simple. You got a broom sweep. You got a mower cut. It's not very complicated. You got a plunger, plunge away. Same thing with us when it comes to the will of God for us. What's the will of God? Well, take a look and discover the gifts that God has given you. And if God has given you this gift, he wants you to use it. You'll go a long way to discovering the will of God for your life by simply examining and seeing what gifts that he has given. The call to give, I should say the call to serve, is the same for all. All of us are called to give and to serve. The how is as unique as there are people in this room. The call is the same. The how 
is the unique. And that's what we need to figure out what it is that our gift is and determine what God made us to be and to use that in his service. Let's do an example. Let's say, how can you figure out your spiritual gifts? Let's say you're on a mission trip, okay, and you're on a mission trip to uh, Mexico, all right, and you're with a group right there, all right, and y'all go on this mission trip together, and y'all roll into one of these places to grab some lunch. And while you're there at lunch, okay, y'all sitting there eating, and somebody trips and drops their tray of food on the floor, okay, and you're on a trip with these these are the, are the members of your trip. You've got mercy, preaching, serving, teaching, giving, administration, and tongues. What would each of these people do that would reflect their gifts? Someone drops their tray on the floor. What does mercy say? That's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Don't feel bad. Could happen to anybody. Mercy says, it's okay, it's okay. What does preaching say? That's what happens when you're not caring, careful. And in fact, all of you, if you are not careful... You will have the same result for you if you do not repent of your carelessness when carrying your trays. What does serving do? Serving doesn't say anything. Serving gets on his, on his knees, rolls up his sleeves, and starts cleaning. What does teaching do? Teaching sits everyone down and explains the, di the physics of why the tray flipped over. Because he balanced his cup and his dessert on the same side, he should have balanced one on this side, one on that side. What does giving do? Pulls out the wallet and buys him a new lunch. What does administration do? Starts delegating. You grab some napkins. You grab a straw. You do this. What does tongues do? Goes to the counter and orders because they're in Mexico. No one else can speak the language, okay? So, <laughs> so tongue places the order for the next lunch. You see how our different gifts are reflected? You look at that story and you laugh, but one of them... It's probably you more than the other. You say to yourself, man, I would never be that preacher guy. But someone is the preacher guy. You say to yourself, man, I would never pull out my wallet. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not natural for me. For other people, it's natural. That's a reflection of the different gifts that God has programmed inside of us. This isn't learned behavior. This is pre-programmed in our spiritual DNA when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. So I ask you, what are your gifts? What is it that comes natural to you? What is it that you are good at? What is it that everyone looks at you and says, oh, that person, they know if they need this, then they would go to that person. You can be in the context of the church. You might be good at, with children. You might be good at uh, playing a musical instrument. You might be good at singing. Singing is the only one that I would say to check with another source. Okay, that's the only one that I would... Just like two, two voice of two people on that. You might be good. You might not be good with dealing with people, but you're very good at cleaning up and setting up. What's your gift? Okay, just to show you, like me, like what am I? I know that I have certain things that I'm good at and certain things that I'm not good at. All right? And like I think that like my spiritual gifts, and two things that kind of pop in my mind is that I've always been kind of naturally like a leader. Okay, like I was always like the one organizing the kids on the playground and stuff like that. Like I'm just, that's kind of the gift that God put inside me. I'm always the one if there's a group, like, you know, I tend to speak up in a group. The other one that I see is that I'm, I'm, I've, I think God has given me the gift of like teaching. And that one of the things, like I think my greatest gift is the ability to take complicated things and to kind of try to make them simple. It's a gift that God gave me. I can't take any credit for it, but I have to use it 
and appreciation for what God has given me. Now, what are some things that I'm not good at? I've said this before and I said it again, like mercy, compassion, that whole realm of gifts. Okay, like that's why I married Marianne. Like just that, like I, that's not my thing. Okay, and and like like hospital visits in particular, like like I stink at hospital visits. You know what I mean? Like some people are very good and they're so compassionate and kind, and like you feel like ah, that's not me. You're sick. You're in the hospital. That's the last thing you want to walk through the door is me, because like. I've never, like, been in the hospital, never, like, suffered. Like, I don't really know how it is, so I'm always, like, awkward. And, like, you know, like, I always, like, how are you? And they say horrible, and I'm, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> like, and I don't know where to go from there. So bottom line is you don't need to be good at everything. But you are good at something. And, in fact, I think you're great at something. I think that you, in this church right here, looking around here, there's something where you are better than everyone else at. And the goal is to discover what that is and to use it. There's a famous quote that some people attribute to Albert Einstein. No one really knows who says it, but we'll go with Einstein because it's very intelligent. He says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Everyone is a genius. As Einstein said, everyone is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Same true spiritually? Same true spiritually, right? Kind of like I spoke about, I was speaking in the sermon today, about how we judge things about this is what it means to be spiritual. We kind of put a little, this is what it means. But what happens if I don't have this gift? What happens if in, in, in a lot of churches, you know, like the spiritual people teach Sunday school? What if I'm not good at teaching Sunday school? Does that mean I'm not spiritual? Does that mean I'm not good enough? You read a story about some of the great saints who have gone before us, and they prayed for like 10 hours a day. And you say, well, I can't pray 10 hours a day. Does that mean that I'm not good? Or does that mean that maybe I have a different gift than them, and I can learn from them, and I can learn from the Sunday school teacher guy, but I might not be that guy, and I don't need to be that guy. I need to be who God made me to be. Every single person in this room has a gift and you are better than me and better than everyone else in something and the goal is to discover what that is you know it's because we have different gifts and a variety of gifts this is why you can have people who are on the same page and believe the same things but disagree so much in the context of the church it's because we don't understand gifts for example I, let's say evangelism, that's my gift. I'm evangelism, evangelism, nothing more important than evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. So I think the church should spend all its money, all its events, everything should be evangelism. But someone else, evangelism isn't his thing. For him, he's like teaching and he's like, no, growing. And we should do more Bible studies and we should focus on the depth and stuff like that. Well, who's right? Who's right? The evangelism guy or the teaching guy? Who's right? They're both right. No one's right. They're both right, they're both not right. They're both right in that each one of these things is very important, and each one of them should champion the cause for each one of them. But they're both not right if they think that their cause is more important than the other guy's cause. There's no such thing. That's why the goal isn't that as, as a church we're all the same. If we were all the same, we would be weak, we'd be deficient. The goal is that we're all different, and that we complete each other, so that as one body, we are perfect. We are the body of Christ, it has to be perfect. But we're only perfect when each one 
is using their gift in unison together with the rest of the body. If this church was just me, then this church would be very good at certain things and very bad at other things. But God put you in this church. You know why? To balance me. And then God put you in this church and you in this church and you in this church to balance here and to balance here so that way we're all, at the end, we're not tipping over the boat on one side, is that we're all balanced. And I believe that there's no one here by accident, that each one is here for a reason, because God saw the gift that you have, and God planted that gift for a specific purpose and said, this church, this church would be incomplete without your gift. That leads us to number two, the second reason why I need to discover my spiritual gifts. Because my spiritual gifts show my worth. My spiritual gifts reveal why I am needed and valuable and essential member of the body of Christ. Someone who says, eh, I'm not needed, I'm not important. That's someone who doesn't understand themselves, doesn't understand their role in the body of Christ. Believe me, I'm not just saying this. I don't think there's a person who's a member of this church who's more important than any other person, including me. In fact, to be honest, I think you could replace me easier than you could replace a lot of other people in this church. Believe me, me, you can plug and play. The, the handbook for the priest, you can write, document a few things, plug and play, and, the, and the, like the liturgy is going to go on, okay? Like it's, it's all documented, right? All this stuff kind of goes on. But each person in this, my point is there's not one person that's more important than another. There's people who are more prominent, okay? Some people are shaking their heads because I have a more prominent role, but prominent doesn't mean valuable, and we'll see that in a little bit. Actually, we'll see it right now. We'll go to this verse, 1 Corinthians 12. For in fact, verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? The whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. That's an important verse. God has set the members, each one of them, you, in the body just as he pleased. You are not here by randomness. You're not here by coincidence. You are here because God placed you in that chair today. And, they, and if they were all one member... Where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. I know that was a long passage. The key is understanding this piece that it said right here, that there's no such thing as some parts which are less honorable than others. This is the opposite of the way the world teaches us. We, in corporate America, in the society that we live in, we like a ranking system. Certain people are more important than others. The people at the top of the org chart, those are the most important people. The people at the bottom, like me and you, those aren't the most important people. That's what the world teaches us. And the world says that these people are more important than these people. But God says that's not true in the body. In the body, everyone is of equal importance. And he gives the example of a human body. And he says in the human body, there are presentable parts and unpresentable parts. There are parts that you see which get a lot of love. 
oh, look at the hair. Oh, that eyes or the nose, okay, or the whatever, okay? Those are the presentable parts. But the unpresentable parts, the parts that aren't as prominent, are more important than the presentable parts. You could survive without hair, but I take away your heart, your lungs, your spleen, intestines. You ever tried to go a day without the intestines, okay? You'd be messed up, okay? You could lose a nose or an ear or something like that. You might not look as good, but you could still function. Man, you got no intestines. I don't know what's going to happen, but bad stuff is going to happen. Well, maybe some of us are the intestines in the body of Christ. How's that for a visual? Okay. Go home today. Said The preacher said that I'm the intestines of the body of Christ. And some of, us, some of us might never be the mouth. Some of us might never be the hair. Might never be in the forefront. That doesn't mean we're not valuable. In this house, in this church, the most valuable people are the ones that you don't see. The ones that you see aren't nearly as valuable as the ones that you don't see. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says that all of us, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You must believe that God didn't create you randomly. You must believe that you are his workmanship. Y'all know what workmanship means? The word... When St. Paul wrote this word workmanship, same word that means masterpiece, is that God created you as a masterpiece. And God put inside you this gift, and he said, I'm not going to put this gift in. And this, I really would want this gift, God. But God says, no, no, no. Because you see, you're a masterpiece created perfectly. Perfectly for what? Perfectly to accomplish this goal. So your problem is you don't see the goal. So that's why you think that you're not good enough. But if you saw the goal, you'd realize I gifted you perfectly just for this goal. Some people would say, I don't see the gift. If you don't see the masterpiece inside you, does that mean that it's not there? Or does that mean simply that you haven't found it? If I say to you, if I say to you, me, Father Anthony, I say, there's a $100 bill in this room somewhere. And I say, you have my word on it. I promise you, I, I promise you I'm not lying to you. You have my word. There's a $100 bill in this room. What would happen? You wouldn't leave the room till you found it, okay? I wouldn't leave the room till I found it. Some of us, if, let's be honest, if it was a $5 bill. We, we wouldn't leave the room till we found it. You wouldn't leave the room. You say, why? Because Father Anthony said there's a $100 bill. And we ain't going to walk out. And just because we haven't found it yet doesn't mean we haven't found it. Or doesn't mean it's not there. It just means we need to keep on looking. Okay, now remove Father Anthony and put God in. And remove $100 bill and say masterpiece. And God says, I've made a masterpiece inside you. You say, God, but I haven't seen it. Keep looking. You have my word on it. That I created you to be a masterpiece. And the most special person in this room today is you. Just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that you haven't seen it yet. We discover our gifts because it reveals God's plan for us. We discover our gifts because it shows my worth. And number three, we discover our gifts because I promise you, okay, if you don't believe anything that I've ever said in my entire life, believe me on this, that your gifts are the ultimate source of joy 
and satisfaction and fulfillment in life. And you will never find any of those things until you discover your gift and you give it back to God. See, we're in a series called Blessed, How to Be Blessed. And we agreed that blessing is something that we all want. You will never discover blessing until you learn to give God in accordance with the gifts that he has given to you. John chapter 15, verse 8 through 11. Jesus said this to his disciples. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Who is Jesus speaking this verse to? Speaking this to a group of people, uneducated, untrained, worthless people. And he's saying, when you discovered what I put inside you, and you learn to give that back to me as my disciple, you will discover joy that the world cannot steal from you. You will have joy that will be full, and my joy may remain in you, and you will bear fruit, and I will be glorified, and you will be satisfied and fulfilled in a way that you can't imagine. The world tells us happiness, satisfaction is in receiving. And then when you have, 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 you'd be happier. We know that's not true. If that was true, we'd be the happiest people in the whole wide world. We know that's not true. I'm telling you that true joy is in giving, and specifically in giving in the way that God programmed you. The one who is gifted in evangelism, if I stick him in the teaching the believers, okay, and, and growing the believers in their faith, if I stick him in that, he's not going to be satisfied and fulfilled. He'll be miserable, and they'll be miserable too, because that's not his heart, and vice versa. The one who was supposed to be with kids, I put him with the adults, he'll hate them, and they'll hate him. But when I put him with the kids, he'll find his gift. You will never find more satisfaction. I'm telling you this. Don't tell me any pleasure the world can offer. Don't tell me any high that drugs can offer you. Don't tell me anything that money can buy is a greater feeling, and nod your head if you agree with me on this one, is a greater feeling than knowing this is what God made me for, and I'm right in the center of where God wants me to be. Is there a greater feeling than that in the whole wide world? Answer is no. Than knowing that this is what God created me to do, and I'm doing it 100%, that feeling of satisfaction, that feeling of joy cannot be measured and cannot be compared to anything else that this world has to offer. God wants you to have that same feeling. God wants you to have that same satisfaction. God wants you to unwrap the gift that he has given to you. And that's what I want to I talk about now is unwrapping that gift. You know when someone comes over to your house, all right, at least maybe with your houses, okay, maybe we, we, yeah, we do it too, okay? You have to find the gift that they gave you and use it before they come, right? So someone gave you a picture, you have to, and you just threw it in the crawl space, okay? When they come over, like you have to find it and hang it up somewhere prominent, okay? And then when they leave, you can take it back and put it back in the crawl space, okay? And then you have like some people, not that I know, but some people have like a rotating picture in their house, which is just like I said, that's a space of whenever someone's coming over, we put whatever they gave us, put that right there, okay? If God is going to walk into our church today, and God is going to show up in our home today, we don't want that he sees, hey, wait a minute, I gave you that gift, I gave you that gift, I gave you that gift. We need to open them gifts. We need to use them gifts. Because nothing's more offensive and rude than when someone gives you a gift that you don't use it. Agree? Three things. Quickly. What to do with God gifts? Number one, simple. Discover it. 
Number one is find it. Discover where it is. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Step number one is trust that God wants to reveal it. And this is not a game of hide and seek. This is not a, I put a gift inside and let's see if he discovers it. And I'm just going to make him take. No, it's not like that. It's that God wants you to discover it. You discover it by two different things. You discover it by examining and by experimenting. Those are the two ways you discover your gift. By examining and by experimenting. By examining, look back over life. Look back over different things that you've done. Where have you felt like, I'm good at this? Where have you felt like, I'm not, not that I'm good at it in a proud way, but like, I'm better at this than other people. Not in an arrogant way, but in a, you know what? Me and Father Anthony went to the hospital. He stunk at that. I was actually pretty good at that. Maybe then you have a gift that you just discovered. Maybe you discovered that, that you're good like with children. That they respond to you, that they listen to you. Maybe you discovered that your gift is in administration and organizing. You're very good at stuff like that. Like look back over your life. Listen to the things that people told you that, hey, you're good at. Examine to see the things that you have done well. In addition to that, some of you would say, well, I can't think of anything. All right. Then you know what? Experiment. Jump in. Just jump in. Just give it a try. Like you don't need a revelation from the heavens written in the sky that says, I want you to. Forget like, I want you to help with the coffee. Well, you don't need that. Okay. It's unlikely that's going to happen. Just jump in and say, you know what? Let me give this a try. Let me see if I'm good at this. And you know what? That, I wasn't very good at that. Let me try this. There's nothing wrong with trial and error. And that's one of the reasons why, like I said, not next week, but the week after the conclusion of this series, we're going to have a church-wide volunteer fair where you're going to get a chance to see all the different volunteer teams here in the church. And you're going to get a chance to try it. And we're going to do our best to make it non-committal, okay, and like a trial period. And we're going to have it set up where you can say, you know what? They're these crazy people. They're crazy. They come to church before everyone else, before even before everyone else, they called a setup team. They must be insane because they get up at the crack of dawn on the day off. You know what? I'm not ready to jump in with both feet, but I'm ready to try that. How about I take the month of September and I try that? Try it. No one's going no to, to, to kill you if you, if you quit. No one's going to, to, to write a, uh, put your spiritual file, like a report, and your spiritual file is going to be up in heaven. He wasn't able to last on the setup team. No one's going to do that. Try it. And you might discover, hey, you know what? This is the thing I can excel in. You may discover, like, we'll pray for them, but, like, I don't want to join them. There's nothing wrong with some trial and error. I always say with me, I never got a revelation from God that I'm good at anything. But what I did get is a call from God to say, hey, try this. And I wanted to say, no, thank you. Like you think, if you'd have gone to me 15 years ago, me, dumb college kid, dumb high school kid, and say, hey, you know what? I think you're going to be really good at preaching. I'd say, well, preaching what? Preaching the word of God. Me? Yeah, I want you to stand in front of hundreds of people and preach the word of God. If you'd have told me that, I'd have laughed. If you told my parents that, they'd have laughed. If you'd have told my college roommates, they'd have laughed, laughed, laughed. If you'd have told that to Uncle McCary, my Sunday school teacher in seventh grade, he'd have thrown you out of the church. But sometimes you give something to try and it works out. Discover your gift. Number two, develop your gift. 
Don't just discover and sit on it. Discover it and develop it. Make it better. These couple verses, 1 Timothy 4, 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. And 2 Timothy 1, 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Look, I'm going to be honest right here. A lot of us have gifts of God, but we are lazy with the gift of God that is in us. We are lazy with the gift of God that is in us. We have the gift, we know the gift, and we sit on it. And we do nothing with it. You know what I discovered in life? It is very easy to use my gift this much. It's very easy to dabble in this, to do this, and to do, like, it's very easy. You know what's hard? It's to take that gift of God and develop and become the best at it. And I don't say it in a best kind of an arrogant kind of a way, as much as in a, if God gave me, like for me, for example, if God gave me the gift to teach and to preach, and I just show up here on Sunday and say, look, I'm gifted. So I'm just going to kind of speak about whatever I want. That's insulting to God. That's insulting to you as well. That to me is neglecting the gift of God that's in me. That's why one of the things that I personally, let me get a little rant out right here. A lot of people tell me that I'm gifted in preaching. Okay, and I say thank you, and you're gifted, you're gifted. You know what? Every now and then I kind of get offended by that. I, God gave me a gift, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I put a lot of work into this too. Look, I want you to just think up that yeah, God gave him a gift so he just shows up. No, I'm saying God gave me a gift and I work on it and I develop it. And maybe you have the same gift and there's no reason that you can't be better than me if you develop the gift of God. I want you to say he has this gift and that's why. No, he has the gift and he developed it and he puts a lot of effort into it and he practices and he prepares and he spends a lot of time to make the gift of God as good as it can be. Don't say that person is better at kids than me. Maybe that person and you have the same gift. Maybe they have even a lower gift, but maybe they put a lot more hard work into developing that gift than you do. Don't be lazy with the gift of God. Don't be lazy with what God has given you. If he puts a gift inside you, then you develop that gift and you make it the best that it can be. You want to max out on your potential, be an overachiever, not an underachiever. Discover it, develop it, and then finally, so elementary, use it. Discover what I'm good at, be the best that I can be, and then use it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Remember that verse in the beginning, that God gives a gift to an individual for the profit of all. So I give you a gift, minister it to one another. In what context? Next verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, shows the context of the gift to be used. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. God gave you a gift, you develop your gift, sorry, you discover it, you develop it, and then you use it in the context of the body of Christ on this earth. God didn't give you the gift of administration so that you could be top-notch at your work and nothing else. God gave you, if God gave you the gift of organizing, maybe God wants you to use that gift for the glory of his body. God gave you the gift of, 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 of counseling. God gave you the gift of creativity. God gave you the gift of, of like, uh, like an analytical mind. Use it for the glory of God in the context of the body of Christ, which is the church. In a household, you have parents, you have kids. The parents give their kids chores. You have this chore, you have this chore. Remember, like I said, the lawnmower, the toilet plunger, the broom. Different tasks, completely different jobs. At the end of the day, each one does their job, 
the same reward to each one. You get your allowance, you get yours, you get yours. doesn't matter what the job may be. As long as I'm faithful to the job that I was given, and I do it to the best of my ability, and I use it in the context of the household of God, I will be rewarded in the same way. That means the guy who's preaching the sermon, the guy who set up the stage for the guy to preach on top of it, same reward. The one who teaches the kids, the one who cleans up after the kids, same reward. The one who sings the song, the one who makes the sign behind the people who sing the song, same reward in the body of Christ. Believe me, last week when I talked about giving, I said I'm not talking about giving to try to get more money for the church. Okay, and I said, what I said last week, I said, if you hear me talk about giving and all you hear is church wants more money, church doesn't want your money. If you want, if that's why you gave, I told you last week, come to me, tell me how much you've given, I'll write you a check for the same amount. No one wants your money. I want you to be blessed by giving. And the same thing here. If you hear me saying, we need people for the setup team, and that's what you're hearing. Father Anthony just wants people to come early for the setup team. We don't want you, okay? We don't need you. We don't want you. It's for you. I want you to be blessed. And I want you to discover the reward of using your gifts in the context of the body of Christ. This is not a plea for anything in particular. We have the best church here in the whole wide world. We have the best team of people. I wouldn't trade anyone for the world. We don't need more. But maybe you are the one who needs to get plugged in. You're the one who needs to get involved to use your gift in a context of the body of Christ. There's a famous parable in Matthew 25, which I won't make you read. You can read it when you go home if you're not convinced. It's a parable about a master who had three servants. And he came to the three servants and said, I'm going to go off on a mission. But before I leave, I have a job for you to do. And while I'm gone and you're doing your job, I'm going to give you each a set of talents. Different, but enough to get your part of the job done. To one I give five talents. To one I give two talents. To one I give only one talent. If you read the story, and you know how the story goes, and you'll see that at the very end of the story, the master comes back, and the Bible says, to settle accounts with the servants. You know God is coming back, right? You know Jesus is coming back. You know that, right? Like he left, but he's coming back. You don't believe me? Go to the last few pages of the Bible. It's in there. It's actually, at the very, very last verse of the Bible, it says, I'm coming quickly. Quickly. He's coming back. And you know when he comes back, He's going to settle accounts. That's what the Bible teaches us. He's going to come to you. He's going to say, I gave you. And the one servant says, you gave me, and this is what I did with it. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over little. I'll make you rule over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He says, you're the best. You were faithful in what I gave you. Second guy, same deal. Third guy said, I did nothing with what you gave me. You want to know how it ends for him? Doesn't end good one of those not smiley face verses in the Bible. What happens to that guy? Why? Because I gave you, I gave you a job, and I gave you the tools. You did nothing? I'll give you a hint. It says, depart from me. And it says, everlasting destruction. And it says, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Bad, 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 bad. Because I gave you a job, and I gave you the tools, and you did nothing. 
Man, I don't want that to be any of us. In this story of the parable of the, the master with the talents, there's another verse in the Bible that it says exactly what God wants us to do with the talents that he has given to us, and that's 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. This is serious business. This is serious business. God has made a heavy investment in you. Heavy investment. He's invested more into you than you realize. He's invested his own blood. He's invested his own spirit. He's taken his own spirit and he's put it inside you. And he's put it inside you so that you would bring a return on investment. We cannot just sit idly on the sidelines. We cannot just sit idly on our seats. We can't just sit here, drink our cup of coffee, and say, well, God is love, God is mercy, and that's it. If God has given to us these gifts, he will hold us accountable to what we do with those gifts. Okay? Let's stand up and say a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit, which you have placed inside each one of us. Thank you for the myriad of gifts that you've given to us, and, and you see like a great worth inside each one of us. We may not see it, Lord, but we pray that you would help open our eyes to see the gifts that you put inside of us, and the reason that you put us here in this body and, and, and our purpose and the where and the place that we fit here inside your house. Lord, we all dream that one day this church would be like a perfect body where each one is, is functioning and doing their part and sees where they fit in here. And we know, Lord, that as you promised, that even the gates of Hades shall not prevail against your church. We know, Lord, that for that promise to come true, that each one of us needs to be doing our part. So we pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us where it is that we fit, what it is you want us to do. And even if it seems insignificant, remind us always, Lord, that there's no insignificant in the body of Christ, that there's, no, there's nothing, Lord, in, in the body which doesn't ultimately lead to the good of the body. So give us that kind of mindset, Lord, to see as you would see. Lord, bless us during this week and open our eyes to see those gifts and give us like the courage and the boldness that we need to surrender those gifts to you and to take a step of faith and giving them back to you. We pray this in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. One thing I forgot to tell you, I'm sorry, is that at the bottom of your handout, to make it easier for you to discover your spiritual gifts, the bottom of your handout you'll see a link to a web page. And that web page will be also be on the church website, the well at stsa.com. And there's a link to a free spiritual gifts test that you can do. All right, and I encourage everybody to go to that website. Print out the page or do it on your computer and see some of the gifts that God has put inside you. Because when we do the volunteer fair, one of the things we're going to do is try to associate the different gifts with the different teams. To basically say, this volunteer team, if you have this gift or this gift, you might want to look at this team or this team or this team. Okay? So that's something fun that you can do. Do it this week as your homework assignment. And I will see you all next week.